Psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Words of perception. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. I'm back. Back from the depths of the dense Amazon jungle rainforest. The Peruvian Amazon, to be more specific. What a trip. What an adventure. Just absolutely unbelievable. So, just right before I get started, I just want to say, um, if you like this podcast, if you listen to it... um, Share it with your friends, you know, share the episodes on Facebook or Twitter, you know, retweet what I, when I tweet it out and stuff like that. It'll really help. Um, and also another big help for the show is if you really do like the show, if you're a fan of the show, just go to iTunes if you have iTunes and uh, leave me a, a nice review and um, a star rating. So preferably a five-star rating, that would be good. But that really helps the show, actually. So if you if you really if you like the show and you want to see it grow and 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 spread, and you know I'll be able to then get more guests on the show and and just do bigger and better things, um, and hopefully give you guys the content that you that you want. So just go and leave reviews. You know, give me some ratings. Um, and the way it works is basically like if I get a lot of reviews and ratings in a short period of time. The iTunes algorithm bumps me up in the ranking, so more people will see me. Maybe we'll hit the new and noteworthy category, but it'll be a good thing. And that's really all I ask. Uh, you know, podcast is free. Everything is is free. So if you just like if you like the show, just just help out. You know, leave some reviews and stuff, and uh, and share it. Okay, cool. So yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. The show wouldn't like you know wouldn't be anything if I didn't have anyone listening. It would just be me talking to a microphone uh, <laughs> and recording, recording myself for future generations. But uh, but no, we have listeners. Thank you and thank you very much. So I'm gonna probably talk about this trip that I went on. So for those of you who don't know, I haven't been stateside in about 16 days or so and I went to Peru to um, participate in an ayahuasca uh, retreat and it was great it was really great blew me away matter of fact and um so I'll I'll be talking about this I think quite a bit uh, because it was such a profound, uh, monumentous 
event in my life. I think we're going to do a couple episodes about this. So the first one will be this one. And I'm, I just want to start it off by kind of explaining how I came to find out about this stuff and, you know, my whole kind of journey and process to, to get me to where, uh, to where I was for the last 16 days. So I guess, uh, <clears throat> I guess it all started probably maybe three or four years ago or so. Um, I had been working for this company and didn't really like my job. Prior to that, I've been kind of hopping around from job to job. And, you know, I don't want to go too far back into, you know, the history, but basically just to give you a general sense of understanding, I never really kind of fit in anywhere. I, you know, I got kicked out of high school. I got my GED. I, I then applied to colleges and eventually got into a college, eventually graduated with a college degree. Um, but I just never liked school. I really never liked authority figures. I was always kind of just felt out of place and confused and just angry all the time and full of tons of anger and rage and, uh, you know, just kind of lost, you know. So I did a lot of kind of activities that I guess would be considered to be more destructive than constructive. Um, and so, you know, I wound up, I found myself 27 years old, uh, working as a marketing manager, managing a group of 12 inside sales, uh, inside salesmen and women. And it was, looked like, a, you know, it was a great company and they were on, on the rise and the salary was good and everything. You know, the hours were very demanding. And I just, it just didn't quite click for me. And so much of what I've done in my life, I find myself getting interested in things. Ooh, yeah, that, that sounds cool. That sounds exciting. You know, and then I can project myself into the future and say, ooh, yeah, what would my life look like if I had this position or if I was doing this? And kind of rationalize it and, and go, okay, this, this could be a good fit. Let's try it and just, you know, dive in. And I would normally perform pretty well most of the time uh, diving into a various you know, various different things. A lot of, you know, disparate things as well that just have no connection to each other. So just wide range. But eventually it would wear off, it would wear out, and I would just lose interest completely. And this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I was working at this job and it had been a couple months since I've been there. I was doing fairly well. My team was doing well. And I just started to physically feel like just lazy and, and tired and just, you know, I, when I woke up in the morning, I just didn't, I couldn't like get out of bed. Like I, I felt like I just had like, um, And it was like a malaise or like a just kind of a daze that I was in. And I just felt really lethargic and, and heavy. And I know there's, you know, there's probably a fat joke in there somewhere, but I was actually a little thinner back then. This was around 2012. And so, you know, I remember going to the doctor and um, 
they did a checkup on me and they were like, hey, you know, you seem fine. You know, I told them what, what I felt like, what was wrong with me. He said, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything's normal. Everything's good. Um, you don't seem depressed. That's what he said. He said, you seem okay. You don't seem depressed. So, I mean, that's the only other conclusion that I can make, but looks like to me that you're fine. Are you? And then he asked me, are you depressed? And I said, no. I didn't really understand what that meant. Maybe I, my, maybe my ego was getting away uh, in the way a little bit. I'm not depressed. Depressed is for you know weak, weak people or not me. You know I'm tough and you know figure things out, do it on my own. So I, I just you know I just felt like disillusioned and just lost and all this stuff and I, I wound up just not showing up to work for like a couple days. Like I think I might have like emailed or called or, or something like early in the morning when I woke up, maybe around 7 a.m. or something. I, I can't come in today. I'm not feeling well and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. I'm vomiting all night, you know. Typical okey-doke, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I wound up being let go from that position. You know, I kind of did, wasn't sure if I wanted to quit. And, you know, so I kind of, you know, forced their hand to, to let me go. So they let me go, and I was pretty satisfied because that's kind of what I wanted to do, you know. Um, or actually, now that I'm remembering it, um, I actually think I did quit because I had, like, a con an honest conversation with my boss, and, and he was a cool dude, actually, and he hired me, and um, I guess maybe took a chance on me a little bit because I was pretty young for a, for a sales manager to lead a team, so... But he liked me. So, yeah, I think I told him, you know, look, I just, you know, I just can't do this anymore or something. You know, I just physically feeling like sick and I just don't know. It's just something's happening. I, I can't do it. So I think I did quit because I don't remember receiving any kind of unemployment or anything after that. But so I quit and I just lied on the floor for like days. I remember my roommate and his girlfriend would come home. They'd be like, what are you doing? Like, What's going on, man? I was lying on the floor, just lying, lying on the floor, doing nothing, just wallowing in uh, <laughs> pity or depression. I don't know. I guess I, that was kind of when my depression kind of really took hold, and I, I just, I didn't know, and I didn't seek any help and, and anything, and it was around this time, around like November 2012, that I started kind of... I didn't want to say anything to, to my family or anything, you know, that I'd quit my job or whatever. And so I think I kind of, I don't really remember exactly what I did, but I think maybe I waited till like after Christmas to, in order to make any kind of decisions. So I was just doing a lot of thinking, a lot of reading. And I think it was around this time when I, des when I decided to, oh yeah, that's right. I remember when I was working for this company, a guy who I went down to Austin where they were headquartered and we had a great time in Austin and great city and we had a little company retreat and you know we kind of were mixing it up with the employees that were out there and one of the guys that was out there told me that he, uh, I reminded him of, of Joe Rogan he said I remember specifically we were driving in his car and he goes yeah you remind me a lot of Joe Rogan he goes you know he talks about all this kind of crazy stuff and he like He's like real, you know, he's, he's got this podcast and, you know, he talks about how he smokes DMT. It's like this crazy drug. 
And I was like, oh. My, my first reaction, I remember exactly what my first reaction was. My first reaction was Joe Rogan, the guy from Fear Factor. That guy sucks. That guy's a tool. Like, my, my, my initial response was, was that this guy is, like, some kind of weird meathead guy. He was kind of a tool and, like, kind of cheesy. And, you know, he did Fear Factor and, like, UFC. I'm not really into that stuff. And I, I, I was, like, almost, like, a little insulted. I'm like, I remind you of Joe Rogan? Like, what? Like, it's fucking weird. Um... But then he said the thing about the DMT, and I was like, well, what, what's DMT? And then he told me, well, it's this thing that, like, it's like a psychedelic drug, but it's also in our brains, and it gets released by the this gland. It's, like, really interesting. Like, you should check it out. So, okay. So so I remembered that. You know, months had gone by. I had left and, you know, the job, and, and it was around maybe December or so, and I had remembered that, and I was like, let me check this out, I guess, you know? And... I had never really listened to like a podcast before. I had, didn't even really know exactly what they were. And so there was a, a couple things that were happening. One of them was initially I had moved to New York City to pursue a comedy, a career in comedy. And this was around 2010. I graduated college in 2009. And, you know, I lived at my parents' house for like a year. It was, it was a nightmare. So I had to get out of there. I moved to the city. I slept on a friend's couch. I worked at a restaurant, and I went to an open mic night, and it was like my first one. I, I had mustered up the courage to go eventually. I got really drunk. I went on stage, and I thought I had these, like, really funny jokes, and, you know, I just didn't get anything. And, you know, I had no idea how open mics worked. I didn't know that the whole audience was basically just a bunch of disgruntled comics, and, you know, <laughs> I just didn't know anything. So... You know, I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird feeling. Like, it didn't give me the, it didn't give me, like, confidence or faith or, like, it didn't feel fun. It didn't feel like I, like, like oh, I, I want to get back and do this. So I didn't go. I know this is a little tangential, but follow, follow along if you can. So I didn't go back. I spent the rest of, of the year and the years to come just kind of, Oh, yeah, I do comedy every now and then, just lying to people. I, I wasn't doing comedy. I did. I went on stage once at an open mic, got drunk, and felt like I didn't, felt like I didn't uh, want to go back or, or whatever. I just the, the, the reaction that I got wasn't great or, or something. But then I remember one of the jokes I wrote was actually, I remember seeing like a David Cross special. And I'm like, oh, shit, I wrote that. I wrote a very similar joke to that. And then, like, then I. You know, I just was like, oh, you know, like, I, I, I know I'm funny. You know, people always tell me I'm funny. Like, I, st I kept working at these jobs, and people would always say, you should be a comedian. You're really funny. And that's, that's kind of, like, what kind of, like, kept that dream, I guess, alive a little bit. So finally, back now, jumping back to December, around December of 2012, I'm sitting around jobless, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm lost. I'm feeling depressed. And... So I start listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I had no idea that, I had no idea that this guy was, was like this. My, 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 my initial judgment of him was totally wrong. And it was really interesting. I was like, this is fucking cool. Like, this is the stuff that, that I'm interested in. Or I actually didn't even really know I was interested in that stuff. But, I, you know, 
interested in a lot of different things. I just didn't know that other people were kind of out there. So to, you know, 2012 was actually a really interesting year for me. So it was, you know, I discovered, I'm discovering this, this Joe Rogan podcast. I'm flirting with the idea of getting back into comedy again. Um, I had earlier in the year, I had went to Coachella Music Festival for the first time. Had an amazing kind of life-changing experience. Um, that's the first time that I took LSD. I was like inspired by Steve Jobs' biography, and um, I, I, did, I did it with my friends, and, and we had like a, just an amazing, blissful, just amazing experience. I can't even find the words to describe it. It was so great. Life-changing, I would say, because I was my perspective had, had shifted completely after that. And it's also the time that uh, a buddy of mine gave me a book uh, called The Real Crash uh, by Peter Schiff. And I started looking into Peter Schiff, and then I found Ron Paul. Ron Paul was running in the, in the election that year, so I looked more into him. So 2012 was actually a giant year for me. All these doors were kind of opening up. I didn't know it at the time, but they were doors of perception, if you will. <laughs> So back to December again, <laughs> out of the tangent, back to December again. So, so I had these experiences. I was looking at Ron Paul. I was reading books again. I, I had this, these profound experiences with LSD and, and MDMA. And I knew I was depressed. I knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to do with my life. I had just discovered this podcasting thing and, and finding out about Joe Rogan and, and DMT and all the cool, interesting people that he had on, on his podcast. And I just went down like a wormhole, you know? I started really just, you know, since college, I've always been kind of researching things online, on the internet. But now it seemed like what was once available to research and stuff around like 2006, 2007, around that time, 2008, um, 2009, like I, you know, I think Twitter had just come out and, you know, Facebook was still very different, but there was a lot of things that, you know, I was looking on Wikipedia here and there, you know, occasionally maybe a YouTube thing or something. But 2012 was really when I started to dive in head first. I mean, I started, so, you know, I'm listening to Rogan, I'm, uh, I discovered Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna, Graham Hancock, Aub Aubrey Marcus, all of these people that I had no idea existed, that I had no idea. Um, and at the same time, I'm also reading Ron Paul books and watching the election and um, reading Peter Schiff's book. And then I discovered Tom Woods. I'm watching, I'm watching Tom Woods lectures online over and over again at the Mises Institute and all that stuff. So all these like ideas start coming together and converging for me. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, this is all really interesting. I'm really interested in this, but you know, I think I'm really going to give comedy like a real shot. You know, I'm really going to, I really feel like I just, I let it slip away and you know, I'm a really, I'm really interested in a lot of things and I feel like I, I look at the world in a funny way. I'm going to do it. So I did it. So I went January, I went back, I went to Eastville comedy club open mic night in uh in new york and um in the in the east village and i did good i had a i had a good you know i did okay for an open mic i kind of 
knew what to expect this time around. I had went before, you know, talked to some of the people that were waiting there to do the open mic, and and it was cool. It was cool. I felt like a good, like a rush. I remember leaving and, and being like so excited like to go back. And I was just like, the floodgates had just been wide open. And I started, because I had always been thinking about jokes and stuff. So then I started writing jokes and jokes and jokes and all this stuff. And it was just awesome. I felt cool. And I went every day. I went like every day to every single open mic that I could go to. And I, I guess like I didn't really feel so like depressed like I guess as much because now I was really doing something that I loved but the depression wound up you know creeping back and it was like weird because it's like I have all these things in my life that are like great that are going on that's great you know family that loves me you know the comedy thing everything's going great and I was doing well in comedy. I had done well. I mean, I, I started working at a comedy club, I think, doing check spots like the, within the first like three months or, or something like that, or four months of doing comedy. And that's when I met my buddy Dave, who I do part of the problem with, our other podcast. And he was into all these ideas. And finally, I, I met somebody else. I was like, oh, dude, like psh, another person I could talk to about, you know, libertarianism and, and, and this sort of thing. So it was really cool. And, you know, comics are, are very interesting people. So you, you have all kinds of cool conversations with all kinds of different people. And, you know, I'd met other people, people in the psychedelics and this and that. So it was, it was really interesting. But anyway, so, like, my depression was just still there. It was still there and still apparent and still there. And, you know, I remember sitting in a comedy club one night and comic, we, I forget what we were talking about. He turned to me and he said something like, uh, well, yeah, I mean... You know, the only time we ever feel good is when we're on stage, obviously. And I was just like, oh, hmm. I don't want to, I don't want that. I don't want to feel like shit. Like, I don't want to be fucking depressed and shitty. And then the only time I feel good is when I'm on stage. Like, that just sounded horrible, you know. And I was walking dogs during the day and, you know, picking up shit. And get you know getting getting shit at night you know just check spots and dog walking and you know just barely paying my rent and eating like shit and so the depression came back. But meanwhile, this whole time I'm like you know if I go home and if I'm by myself, I'm spending majority of my time you know I'm walking dogs during the day. I'm listening to like four or five podcasts a day. I'm listening to audio books. I'm reading on the subway. I'm reading at home. I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm doing like tremendous. I'm doing like a second education. I'm learning more than I've, I've, I've ever learned in my life. You know, I'm reading books by Tom Woods, by Lou Rockwell, by, you know, I'm, I'm getting introduced to Murray Rothbard. Then I'm, I'm reading all these other kinds of things like Alan Watts and then Ram Dass and, and Be Here Now and like... And Dr. Rick Strassman, the DMT, the spirit molecule, and I'm watching all these documentaries, and then Zeitgeist, and then all this stuff. Just, it was like, I couldn't get enough. I was like, hooked on just learning all, all this information that I could. Graham Hancock's TED Talk, The War on Consciousness, I mean, that was just fucking amazing. Rupert Sheldrake, just digging into the Terrence McKenna archives, listening to the Psychedelic Salon, 
with uh, Lawrence Haggerty. And I guess it, I don't really exactly know when it was. But there was a point when I thought, this ayahuasca thing, this might be able to change my life, you know? Because I had heard so many accounts of ayahuasca, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, trips. You know, Aubrey Marcus, I think, uh, being one of the leading voices out there for it. And then uh, later on, I think Amber Lyon was another one who kind of more like legitimized it for me. And then, of course, Graham Hancock. And um, So I had known about this for, for a while, and I kept kept digging in, digging in, and I, I kind of started to experiment a little bit with what I, whatever what I can get, you know, anything I can get. Terrence Mc five grams of psilocybin mushrooms in silent darkness, you know. I was experimenting with the heroic doses and different things, you know, microdosing and, you know, just all kinds of different experiments. You know, I was reading Tim Ferriss' blogs and other uh, Dr. James Fadiman, the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, and but not ayahuasca, not ayahuasca, because I didn't know anyone that had it, and I didn't know where to get it, and I also didn't necessarily want to do it in the city. I didn't want to do it in this kind of underground setting with some, you know, shaman named Bruce who has a twirly mustache and a, you know, fucking uh, patchouli uh, in his apartment. So I thought, if I make some money, if I have enough money, I'm going to go to Peru and I'm going to do ayahuasca. And I, I know I, I, said, I said do ayahuasca. I don't really see it that way anymore now. But I didn't really under, have an understanding of exactly what it is. Even when I was reading all this material and watching these documentaries and, and all this stuff. But I really did feel like this calling, you know. And people talk about this with ayahuasca, like, you should only really go if it, if it calls to you or, and, and so on. All right. And I guess, like, what I mean by a calling is, like, I felt, like, compelled to go. Like, I felt like there's no debate and there's no choice on the matter. Like, I must go to, to Peru and do ayahuasca. I must go. Uh, I felt like it could have been, it could be like a solution to like all of my problems. I, I felt so like intrigued and curious and just like this is, you know, this is a, a, a something that I must experience. I mean, this is, this sounds like it's just such a mind blowing, you know, thing. You know, the the term psychonaut is used for people who explore psychedelics and their consciousness and whatnot and you know there's it derives from the term like astronaut I guess from exploring outer space I mean I'm never going to go to outer space I just don't have the capabilities to do that so for me I mean just exploring the cosmos and the, the mystery of life and the wonder of the universe I mean that's what psychedelics was, was doing for me it was opening me up you know opening me up every time I use them more and more and I thought wow, this ayahuasca, this could be like the big opener, you know, big opener. But I didn't go right away. You know, I remember emailing a shaman 
who Aubrey Marcus had recommended, Maestro Orlando or, or something, Trura. His website looked weird. It like wasn't really, you know, the, uh, of course, you know, the Western mind, you know, processing this stuff. Oh, this looks like a shady, weird website. I don't know about this. Uh, and, um, you know, they, he wanted me to like pay half or, or something now. And I just was like, eh, I don't know if I, eh, not really feeling it. And I just tried to do more and more research, like where would I go, you know, where would I stay, who, you know, it was kind of hard to figure out. It, it wasn't easy, really, to figure out exactly. And I always just had it kind of in the back of my mind, just kind of like, one day I'll go, I'll go, you know, soon. And then there was, um, then there came a time where I actually had some money enough to go. And I thought to myself, like, should I go? Should I do this? Should I really do this? You know, I was like, I could, I could go either, you know, I made a choice. I was like, I could either go to Southeast Asia or I could go to South America and I can, you know, do, you know, go and participate in an ayahuasca ceremony. But then I was looking at some of these prices and I was like, oh, it's pretty expensive. You know, my dollar will go further if I go to Southeast Asia. And maybe all I need is just to get out of the States and travel a bit. You know, maybe that's all I need. You know, maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll cure my depression. Maybe that'll make me have a better understanding of the world and my place in it. So I had like a, a dream one night that like I was in Thailand and I was like, oh, well, that must be it. I'm going to Thailand. So I went and I went to Thailand and traveled around for a bit and came back and while it was fun and I learned a lot and I had a great experience, I mean, it didn't really change me in the way that I, I guess I was hoping or looking for. Um, but I, I guess, you know, over these years, I'm taking all these little baby steps, you know, I'm kind of precautious, doing research, learning, kind of low, laying low, back in the cut, observing, taking notes, putting things on file, keeping them in the back of my head. So then finally another opportunity came and I had the money to go and I, I said, I gotta, I gotta go. I have to go now. I have to go now. Otherwise, I'm not going to go. Because I know myself. I'll procrastinate, right? We all do that a bit, right? Procrastinate. Just, I know I'm not going to be able to, to do this. You know? I, had the, I had the time. I had the availability. I had the money. And I figured, what better, what better time to go than, than now? I better book something now before it gets too late and I get wrapped up in something and I can't go. Or the money disappears and I don't have it and then I can't go. So I did. So I did some more research and f tried to find places that I knew that were good, that were recommended by people I trusted, people like Amber Lyon, Aubrey Marcus, Graham Hancock, you know, author uh, Jeremy Narby, author of the, the book The Cosmic Serpent. Um, other people, Chris Killam, I think he wrote a book called Ayahuasca um, Test Pilot Handbook or something like that. And so, I, you know, I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this now before I can't, before it's too late. So I saw these places that I was looking for that they had come recommended, you know. And I'm like, oh, they're all booked up. I, they don't have availability till October, November. And I'm like, that's not going to work for me. I got to go now. 
So I went on this website. There's a website called Aya Advisors. It's a great website. It's kind of like a Yelp for ayahuasca retreats. And I saw this place. It was number one in the rankings. I never heard of it before. And so I started looking over it and everything. And I guess it seemed good. And it was relatively cheap, I guess, compared to some of the other ones. I mean, not cheap, but, you know. So I was like, that's it. I'm doing it. Booking it. Booked it. 14-day intensive ayahuasca retreat. Boom. Done. Put half my deposit down. Found a, found a flight to Lima, Peru, then to Iquitos. Round trip. Booked it. Boom. Done. Locked in. I'm going. That's it. I'm going. Call my girlfriend. Tell her I'm going. These are the dates I'm going. I'm doing this. Doing this because I got to figure some shit out with myself. You know, it's, I got to... I gotta, it's kind of hard for you to tell someone, like, you know, look, I, I'm i depressed. I have ADD. I don't love myself. I don't know what's happening. Like, I, I got to get to the root of these problems before it, it starts affecting our relationship or whatever. But she's very supportive, very understanding, and was like, good, you know, go do what you have to do. So then we actually, we were in Woodstock. We were hanging out in Woodstock. We went up there and had a nice little weekend and I had come across I think like some Reddit thread and there was just this weird I got a weird vibe from the place that I had booked for the retreat I got a strange vibe and I'm thinking you know like this is gonna this is like important you know this is really important this is like something that has been I feel like almost calling to me like forever you know like this is something that has been this like elusive mystery, maybe this, this, this piece of the puzzle that I feel like once I understand what's going on with me or once I uh, engage in an ayahuasca ceremony, that I'll have a better understanding of, of my life and, and all this stuff. I, this is a huge deal. And I've been kind of stumbling and struggling in the, la the last, you know, my whole life, you know, stumbling and struggling, dealing with anger and, and depression and ADD and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to take a chance, you know. I, I saw this Reddit thread and there were some bad reviews and, you know, the, the, the owners looked like they were doing some – it just didn't – it didn't seem like like right to – maybe they had some issues in the past when they just started the center. You know, obviously, you know, any kind of business or company runs into issues here or there, you know, especially when they're just starting. You know, they might not have all the materials they need or they might not have the accommodations they say. It's hard to start a business. It's hard to start something from the ground up, you know. I get that. But this is my life I'm talking about here, my mind, my health, my mental health and, and everything. So I got a bad feeling. I got a gut feeling. And I said, this is not, you know, I'm with my girlfriend in Woodstock and we're having a good time and I'm going, I don't feel right about this ayahuasca trip that I'm going to go on. I, I think I don't think I booked the right place. Like, this place just seems strange. You know, I, I put all the pieces together. I'm like, I just don't get a good feeling. Like, you know, these reviews and the comments and, you know, some of these images and pictures and the things that people are saying and, you know, just, uh, it doesn't look right. It looks a little weird. I'm not getting a good feeling and I don't really want to take a chance with my mind and, you know, I'm go I want to go for healing. I'm going down there to for healing purposes, not for, not to trip, you know. I could do that with anything, you know, whatever. I'm going down there for, 
for healing. So I just got, I had a bad feeling and I just went with my gut instinct and I immediately emailed them and tried to negotiate to get a refund back for my deposit and tell them, uh, you know, hey, look, I was honest. I was like, I, I don't have a good feeling about this and I don't want to participate. So, so then I'm thinking like, I got to go. I still have to go though because I got my plane ticket, right? I can't cancel that because I found it on, you know, one of those discount airline things and I'm like, this is a good deal and I got to go and, you know. So the places that I had known that were well vetted, that were researched, they were all booked up and, you know, whatever. I just happened. I just went to go check again. I, eh, let me just go see if there's something, an opening, because sometimes they have a thing that says, like, join the waiting list or whatever. And I went back to the one place, the, my, my number one place, the place that I really wanted to go to, the place that had come highly recommended. And... um and I, and I saw, I was like, oh, there's this, there's one spot available. Oh, my God. That's that's amazing. Right for the dates that it lines up perfectly. Right for the dates that I want to go. It's amazing. Oh, my God. All right. I got I to gotta, I gotta book this. So I immediately applied. This was the other, you know, kind of red flag for the other place. The other place, just you just pay and you go. You're signed up. They just accept you. This place, you had to actually apply. I had to spend like an hour filling out an application, you know, telling them why I wanted to go and, you know, giving them in-depth details of my childhood and, and, you know, medications, ailments, and this sort of thing. So I finally filled everything out, sent it in, and just hoped. Well, I hope they accept me, you know. I really hope they do because this, this, this is, seems like it's, like my last shot like if I don't get in like I don't know what I'm going to do so I was kind of anxious and worried like the, you know the, the days in between I was waiting for that email kept checking my email oh, did, they, did they send it did they send it finally they sent it and I was accepted great amazing I paid them in full right away good let's, let's lock it in let's go I wound up actually negotiating to get my money back from the other place I got about actually 80% back so not bad. I lost a little bit, but when you're when you're it's 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 nothing compared to the benefits that I received from finally going to the to the right place. I mean, this is you know, you're talking about your mind here. This is not something that you want to play games with. Your mind, your body, your soul, you know, you don't want to play games with the with that stuff. So I felt great after I finally got in and I'm like, "Great, I'm going." June uh, whatever, like 7th or something, 8th, I forget when, when exactly I left. Or it was June 27th, yeah. It was when my flight left. So I just felt really relieved, and I felt really great, and I'm like, wow, I'm fucking doing this, you know? I'm going I'm going for it. I'm going all I'm going all in. You know, ayahuasca is like the mother ship of psychedelic plant healing medicines. Um transformative thing, you know. Up there with other you no, know, there's other other things that are, are pretty 
intense as well. But this is the one, you know, this is the one that I felt was right for me. And so I just lived my life and counted down the days until it was time to go. And people ask me, like, was I nervous or worried or something like that? And no, not really, because I had traveled in other countries before by myself, you know. I've been to third world countries and things like that. And so I wasn't really worried. So when the time came to go, I just got on the plane and, and went and, uh, you know, landed and you know, flew to Lima. And then from Lima, I went to Iquitos and... I landed in Iquitos, and and now, since I booked this, I I booked the plane ticket and the trip, the other trip, for it was a longer period of time. The the one that I'm am now approved to go to, and the one that I'm going to is a shorter period of time. So I have like six days before the before we venture off into the jungle. So I'm just going to be sitting in a ketose for six days. Now, why? Why the fuck did I do that to myself? Well, I'm, I, I thought to myself, well, okay, I'll be there a few days before. And, you know, the packet that they sent out to prepare for the ayahuasca journey was, you know, they, it, they gave all kinds of advice. You know, and there's this diet that you have to follow, no salt and, you know, no red meat, no pork, no, uh, no sexual activity, all these restrictions that you have to follow. And I wanted, I said, you know, I was like, if I'm going to, I'm doing this thing, I'm paying this money, I'm going all this way, I'm going to do it right. And I knew myself that it would be hard for me to kind of stay within the guidelines if I had maybe stayed here, changed my flight, you know, it was going to cost $500 to change my flight anyway. So I figured, whatever. I'll book a hostel in Iquitos for 100 bucks for the week. I'll save myself some money, and I'll just sit there, and I'll practice being mindful and, you know, being calm. And they have all these, you know, restaurants there that they recommend. They have ayahuasca diet menus, so they prepare the food for you. Because I had, you know, I'd done all this research beforehand, so I knew, you know, top down they had recommended these books to read the presence process and all this stuff so you know I, I dove in fully i was like i'm doing this i'm doing it right i'm doing going with the, what they recommend and i'm and i'm doing everything that they say that they're going to do now that's not something that necessarily comes easy to me but i knew that if i forced to put myself to put myself in the position that i would make it happen no matter what i always kind of try and make it happen. Sometimes I have to force myself to do it, you know. It doesn't really come naturally. I'm not one of these namaste kind of, you know, vegan, peaceful people. I mean, I'm a, I'm a person that deals with serious levels of anger, rage, frustration, depression, cynicism, narcissism, <laughs> You know, all sorts of things, ADD, ADHD. So it's not easy for me. It's not easy for me at all. So I'm sitting in Iquitos. First day was okay, whatever. I'm walking around, checking out this crazy town. Iquitos is a crazy town. So, so Iquitos, Peru, 
is like the jump off point. It's like the port town, the last city before you enter the the Amazon jungle. It's in the Amazon, but it's a city, so it's you know. And inter- interesting place, right? I mean, there was this was a, a place of Spanish colonization, uh, a place of also further western western uh, industrial colonization. There was a rubber boom there. They were big produ- uh, production of, of rubber, um, <clears throat> extracting it out of the jungle and, and manufacturing and selling it and whatnot. And that was you know around the turn of the century. But now it's just like a ghost, not a ghost town because there's a lot of people that's, that are still there, but there's just like dilapidated buildings and just run, everything's run down. And, you know, it just looks like one of those places where there was an industry and now there's no more industry and people have just got, they, everybody just got up and left all at once. But the locals are still there. There's still tons of locals and it's very noisy and loud and there's all, they drive around on these little tuk-tuks, you know, the little... I like, you know, I call them tuk-tuks because that's what they call them in Thailand. They're like the three-wheeled kind of motorized horse and buggy kind of thing. You know, a guy driving on the front with a motorcycle and he's got a little carriage in the back. Usually fits like a couple people. Or sometimes they just, you know, shove like eight dogs and nine nine people in there and just somehow make it work. So this this little crazy little town is buzzing and all these worn-down buildings just falling apart and then mixed with some some newer stuff and just a crazy mixture of people there you know people that I was I was walking around and going to restaurants and and checking out the town and just people there that are like crazy like amazon jungle hunter kind of you know john voigt from anaconda kind of people you know with the their hats and their jungle get up and their boots and you know fucking snake skins and and shit <laughs> Those kinds of people. Then there's, like, the people that went there to drink ayahuasca, and they just never left, and they have, like, long dreadlocks, and they're just like, yeah, I'm just trying to, like, just live here, like, whatever, you know. And then there's, like, people that are there because they're doing, like, ecological, like, preservation, you know, in the Amazon. uh, Students interning at a biological conserve uh, reserve and... So a mixture of all kinds of different crazy people. And then there's, you know, the locals and, um, of course, you know. And Iquitos is actually a very interesting place because it's not accessible by road. It's the, it's the sixth, I think, the sixth largest city. I don't know what, what exactly it was. Or it, or it might be the largest city uh, in the Western Hemisphere. I don't know exactly what the the stats are, but it's something like that. Um, and it's the largest one that's not accessible by road. It's only accessible by boat or by plane. It was fucking cool flying in there too. You know, we're flying over the Amazon River, and I'm looking down, and I see this you know snake river just snaking around, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. All these green trees and stuff. And so anyway, so so I'm there. I'm in Iquitos, finally. I'm finally here. After all these years of reading and researching and wondering and thinking and back and forth and this and that, I'm finally here. I'm sitting in a $20 a night hostel in Iquitos, Peru, going, fuck. Now what do I do? Okay, I can go eat lunch, I guess. Go and get lunch, ayahuasca, 
menu, smoothie, you know, salad, whatever, no salt. But then I'm like, you know, I have these books, but I'm like, I can't concentrate. I'm, you know, I'm I'm staying in this kind of shitty place and it's so fucking hot outside. And just part of me is like, you know, I'm all by myself and part of me is thinking like, what the fuck am I doing? the fuck am I doing? You know, by, I think by the second or third day, I'm, 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 I'm sitting there and I'm sitting in my room just going, you know, fuck this, this shit, man. Like they want me to, you know, this, this no sex and you know, no, no sugar, no salt, you know, no coffee. Like I can't eat anything. I'm, I'm starving all the time. I, you know, I just, I feel, I feel like so angry and pent up and and then i'm getting all pissed off at myself the fuck am i doing sitting here in a ketos for six days i could have i could have changed my flight somehow i could have you know maybe i should have went to machu picchu i should have went to cusco i could have been spending time there what what a fucking idiot i am what a stupid fucking idiot i am i'm here i am sitting in this fucking stupid shitty fucking hotel hostel eating terrible food. I got nothing to eat. I got nothing to do. I can't read because I'm too pissed off. I can't concentrate. It's fucking Every time I go outside, I'm getting accosted by people that want to sell me stuff. I've never met more aggressive street salesmen in my life. And I live in New York. I've never met more aggressive street salesmen. They wouldn't leave me alone. They followed me everywhere I went. They got to know me by name. They knew everything about me. It was hilarious. And I just kept telling them, no, no, I don't want to buy anything. No, go away. Leave me alone. No, no. And I just was alone the whole time, and I was pissed. And I'm starting to think, like, God, I just, you know, what? You know, here I am in the jungle. I'm supposed to go go drink this ayahuasca in a few days. And, you know, they want me to adhere to all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, this is bullshit. Like, this is, a, a, this is like a, a psychedelic. Like, I should just be able to take it, and it should just work, you know? And I'm thinking of Terrence McKenna. I'm thinking about, like, you know, his when he says, like, you, you don't have, you know, psychedelics work, it's direct experience, you know, you don't have to bow your head or avert your gaze or, you know, be shuffled around by beady-eyed little men who are, you know, asking you to sit in lotus positions and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, fuck that. Like, this is a psychedelic. Like, I should just be able to drink it and just be able to work. Like, fuck this shit. Like, why do I have to eat this way? What What, the, what is this no sex thing? This is fucking bullshit. Like, you know, energies and spirits. Like, I don't believe in this shit. Like, I never experienced anything like that before. Like, spirits and demons and energies and all kinds of bullshit that they're, like, t- t- saying in this. And so I'm getting, like, real cynical. I'm letting my anger and, and negativity just get the best of me. And I'm just thinking, like... God, this is such bullshit. Like, I, here I am, just like, oh man, like every day just felt so long. I'm just like, fuck, six days. Fuck, six fucking days in Iquitos. Fuck. The fuck am I gonna do all day, every day? There's nothing to do, really. I mean, I mean, there is, there are things to do, but it's like a part of me was like. I didn't really want to do anything because I was, like, angry. You know, I was like, I don't want to do your fucking, I'm going to go jungle tour. Go fuck you. I don't want to go fucking jungle tour. Fuck you. I'm not paying you. I'm not, I'm not going to, like, you know, get ripped off by some fucking street hustler. He wants to take me to some zoo or something or go on some jungle tour. I'm like, I don't know, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go by myself. You know, fuck that. I'm not doing that. And then I'm like, you know, 
I'm thinking like the the temple, uh, the place that I was going to. They 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 want me to prepare for ayahuasca. They want me to be mindful. They want me to be present. They want me to have a calm, you know, couple of weeks beforehand so I can integrate like into the experience well. You know, the diet and you know don't consume as much media as I have been and stuff like that. So you know, good thing. I mean, my Wi-Fi wasn't really working, so I just. You know, I wasn't really getting any news or information, and I mean, I kind of tried to. You know, I was kind of trying to because that's what I fucking do. Like that's that's been my life. You know, on Twitter constantly. You know, watching things on YouTube. Um, you know, on Facebook, posting. You know, writing for de- various different websites, my own website, and things like that. And I just couldn't stop. I, it, it was almost like I was addicted. Like, I, and maybe I was angry because I had that separation from from that internet. You know, from that internet addiction that I have. You know, and then I was like, oh, man, I'm so fucking horny. Like, I got to maybe I could see a tit or something just you know, going on Wi-Fi, like <laughs> hoping the Wi-Fi connects, you know, waiting like five minutes for the fucking blue bar to, to fill up so I could like see some chick in like a bikini or something. And I couldn't do anything because they they said no sex before. So no masturbation, nothing. So I'm just sitting there frustrated, angry fuck am I doing here in the goddamn jungle you know like uh, who is it uh, Joe Pesci in the movie Casino the hell are we doing out here in the goddamn jungle hey you know what are we doing out here in the desert anyway that's how I felt I was like what the fuck am I doing I'm going through like this feels like hell six days before I went to go and, and do this the anticipation you know, the my mind was just racing, and and then I, I thought I was like, oh, you know, yeah, maybe maybe this is the reason why this worked out this way. And I was thinking, you know, one of the things that they had said uh, about ayahuasca is that once you make the decision and you commit to go and do, and drink ayahuasca, it starts working for you already. And then I started thinking about that. And I had gone back to the previous month and I thought about all the things. I was like, yeah, I, actually, I was like kind of I bought some plants and flowers for my apartment, you know, just because I felt like it. I don't know where that came from. And maybe that was something to do with it. Like ayahuasca, you know, it was like, hey, you know, get acclimated to the plant world, you know. And I, you know, some other things, I guess, were, were happening. Like, I, I think. One night I, I cried and I, I let I let out some emotions to my girlfriend. I was telling her some things that I'd never told anyone before, and I was like, I felt kind of relieved. I'm like, oh wow, that's you know. So maybe that was ayahuasca also kind of working for me in this kind of weird spiritual energetic realm that I was completely unaware of. And then I'm like, yeah, maybe maybe this is like a test. You know, this is like a challenge from ayahuasca like see if I can disconnect from internet you know see if I can be mindful see if I can you know kind of spend some time meditating see if I can see if I can tough it out here in Iquitos for six days before I go you know see if I can survive here see if I can eat the food that they're recommending to eat and see if I can do it you know maybe this is like a test you know maybe the reason why I didn't go to Cusco and go to Machu Picchu is because 
six days in Iquitos was necessary and for my preparation before heading off into the jungle to drink ayahuasca. Maybe things were all working out the way that they were supposed to work out. And then the other part of my mind goes, no, you fucking idiot. You're just an idiot, and you fucked up, and you thought that you would be able to handle six days in Iquitos. <laughs> and you should have, you made a mistake, and now you're rationalizing it by thinking about the things that they said that ayahuasca starts working for you, and you're just rationalizing your fuck up to fit the story, to fit the narrative, to make you feel better. Oh, boy. I don't know what's going on now, you know? It's the cynical part of me and the intuition part of me. and Anyway... Six days in Iquitos. Went through a lot of emotions during those days, you know. I didn't meet anybody really to talk to, and I was very alone, and I could barely talk to anybody who was at home because the Wi-Fi was so poor. You know, the food was very bland, and it was a struggle. It was a real challenge for me, and I realized maybe whatever the reason is, I was there, and I had to deal with what I had to deal with. And there's been so many times in my life where I've attempted to go on a diet or I've attempted to meditate or I've attempted to do, do all these things that I know could be beneficial for me, but I just didn't do. And now I was in this place, and there was nothing for me to do other than those things. So by, like, the fourth day, I started doing those things. And it took me four days to do it the first four days the first day i landed i was fine and the i spent the second third and and fourth day pretty much angry and, and crazy so by by the by midday the fourth day i had that realization i said okay let me just figure this out you know let me do it let me let me try let me actually just really make an effort because why not what else am i going to do right and pretty soon the day will come when when it's time to leave. I'm going to be venturing off into the jungle on the seventh day in Iquitos. So I'm not counting that day. You know, the six days in Iquitos is, is what it was because the seventh day we left and we went to the, to the place. And I decided to change my hotel room and I, I went to a different place. I had checked out earlier and... And I just decided, fuck it, I'm going to go to this nicer place because why not? I'll spend the money. I'll just, maybe I'll be, and if, wow, it was like, I mean, it, was a, it wasn't a great hotel, but it was a world's better than the place that I was staying at. You know, I was staying at a hostel for $20 a night. I checked into a place for $60 a night, big difference. So I felt better there and I was able to kind of calm my mind, read a little bit more and kind of start really preparing for this journey that I was about to go on. And then it was the fifth day, and I was like, oh, boy. A couple more days, and then I'm going. A couple more days, here it is, wow. And then I started getting, like, a way better mood, you know? And I spent the morning, I would wake up, I would meditate for a little bit, 10 minutes or so. And I, I don't really know how to meditate, but I just was practicing a mantra, you know? And, uh, and then I would go eat, and I would, you know, I was really, now I was enjoying these healthy meals. I was like, yeah, this is good, this feels good, you know? And, uh, and yeah, and then I was journaling and I was writing and, uh, and I just really felt like, yeah, this is, this is going to be good. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm back. Like this is, I'm not angry anymore. I'm, I'm not. 
I'm ready to go. Now I can't wait to go. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Then the sixth day, sixth day, same thing. Wake up, meditate, go for a walk. You know, I was buying uh, these Mupacho cigarettes and, and smoking them. They're like uh, almost like cigar. You smoke it like a cigar. You don't inhale it. And uh, it's a different kind of nicotine. It's called nicotine rustica. And it's grown in the Amazon. And it's, and it's actually, I started to research because I'm like, yeah, this is, this is actually like a revered plant down here, tobacco, you know? We have such a different view of it in our world. So I started researching about tobacco, and I was like, cool, like, yeah, like, I feel into this now. And I was reading the book that they recommended me to read, and, and I was learning all this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really gearing up, ready to go. And I was like, wow, I wish I could have done this the first day that I've been here, but, you know, that's who I am. I'm this fucking crazy, neurotic, cynical, fucking angry prick, and I just started to let everything get to me and I just, you know. So then finally, it comes. Seventh day, go to the hotel lobby, check out, got my bags. I'm standing there and there's all these people in the lobby because that's where we're getting picked up. Everyone's getting picked up there to go. They're picking, up, picking us up on a bus and we're gonna go to a, get on a boat to go off into the jungle, deep into the heart of the Amazon. And I'm sitting there in the lobby and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, these are the people that are going? Because everyone kind of looked like really normal. Normal, Western-looking people. People of all ages and, and, and races and ethnicities and nationalities and genders that just looked like a bunch of normal fucking people. Like, completely, completely normal. Like, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I guess maybe I was expecting... Weird, freaky-deaky, hippie people, namaste, you know, vegan, you know, meditation people, yoga people or something. Just kind of, you know, not really my people. So I didn't really know exactly. I don't know. I, I kind of felt, like, more calm, and then I just was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. And then I started striking up a conversation with one of the guys and talking yeah how do you find out about this oh yeah i heard something on uh, joe rogan's podcast and then i'm talking to someone else and they're like yeah aubrey marcus yeah yeah i heard on the uh, joe rogan podcast and, oh i'm talking to someone else and they're like yeah yeah i heard it yeah joe rogan whoa wow holy shit this guy's fucking had a i mean wow what an influence this guy's had on all these people i mean what a platform to provide for the voices of, you know, all these other people that he's, the guests and, and the influential people. I mean, just an amazing, unbelievable stretch into the lives of just ordinary folks. And I was like, wow. The internet. Freedom. Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm like, this is fucking crazy. This is like, world-changing shit here. You know, little by little, people hear about things, they learn about things, they research things. You know, the journey that I had been on, I realized, you know, a lot of these people had been on. You know, I don't think there was one person there that was just like, oh, yeah, just, you know, I heard about this last week, someone said it was a crazy thing, and I just figured I'd do it, you know. It was, I think everybody there had had this similar kind of process that I had. They'd heard about it, they'd thought about it, you know, they were influenced by Joe Rogan, they, you know, all these kinds of things that, that kind of led them to be there. It was amazing. I mean, it was an amazing group of people, and we all got on that bus, and, you know, we 
we were all kind of strangers then. And well, we were strangers, you know, obviously. And but we're getting to know each other, and we're talking, and we're going on this bus ride. Man, about forty-five minutes to an hour bus ride. And um, you know, people from Australia, people from Dubai, people from New Zealand, people from France, people from Canada, people from San Diego, people from Ohio, and people from Slovakia and Poland, people from everywhere. People who are 70 years old, people who are 50 years old, people who are 25 years old. It was uh, such a diverse group of people, and yet we're all there for one purpose, to participate in ayahuasca ceremony with the hope of healing ourselves. And what happened next? I mean, I'll never forget those nine days that followed. Those people that I was with, it was almost like that bus ride was like was like a bus ride or a ship ride into, into battle or something, you know? It was like we're shipping off. Kind of get, getting to know your fellow soldier, sharing war stories, you know, talking about this podcast and telling them about my life and they're telling me about their lives. And we're getting to know each other and, and finally we're there. We're, we're going. We're on the way. We're about to embark on something magical, something beyond words, beyond, you know, in, ineffable. You know, they kept telling us not to have expectations. You know, that was one of the things that I remember hearing about with ayahuasca. Don't have expectations because you might get you know, set up for disappointment or you might, you know, you might try and force something to be a certain way and it's not necessarily that and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, oh man, you know, one of the things I'm worried about is that I have all these expectations because I, I can't help it. I've heard all these stories. I've heard all this stuff and, you know, it's hard to kind of put that on my mind. I keep thinking about Aubrey Marcus's stories of him, you know, giant alien worlds and big blue beings and entities and, you know, getting eaten alive by snakes and dragons and all this stuff. And I'm like, Jesus. Well, I got to clear all that stuff out of my mind and try and have no expectations. So, but everyone was pretty geared up. We were pretty, you know, the expectations are there and it's hard to kind of get rid of, but I tried my best. But it was just so fucking cool. Here we all are, finally here, 20 of us or so. We're on this bus, and then we finally get to the point where we get off the bus. And then from getting off the bus, you know, we take all of our bags off the bus, and, you know, we have all of our bags. And I think they have some people that are helping us, you know, some workers there employed by them to help us. And they, they put all, all of our bags in, in these big little boats, big little, you know, kind of. You know, little kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe them, like canoe boats or something with a little roof on them uh, made of wood. And and we get in these boats and, you know, we get on the river and we start going. We're going down the Amazon River. 
And then we get to another point. And then we get off. And then they take all of our bags off. And they put all our bags on a different boat. And then we get off those boats. And then we get on two smaller boats. And then we get on these small boats and we put the life jackets on. And we're going through these, like, kind of, you know, back alleyway river. Like, you know, little paths in the river. It was so cool. I felt like I was, you know, in some kind of crazy, like, Lewis and Clark expedition movie or something. You know, these, you know, these back alley neighborhood river streets, you know, that were just off the Amazon now into the, into the skinnier rivers that's going to take us to another point. We we're going through and, you know, we're talking and we're sharing stories and how did you find out about this and what did you hear and this and that and everybody's sharing and sharing and everyone's really excited. And then we get to another point and then we get off the small little boats. Everyone gets off the small little boats. They get our bags. The, the workers have the bags. They all carry our big heavy bags. We carry our small bags. And then we hike 45 minutes to an hour or so until we finally arrive, until we finally get to the beautiful, the majestic, the wonderful, the transformative, sustainable, just perfect, blissful paradise, the temple of the way of light. And we'll continue this story on the next episode of Mike Adelic. Peace.